It is Easter, the most celebrated day in all of Christianity. I mean, rightfully so. It's the day that Jesus conquered the grave, defeated our enemy, and gave us the victory over our sin. It's the day where the angels said to the women visiting the tomb very early in the morning, why do you look for the living among the dead? For he is not here, for he has risen. It's a day where millions of Christians have gathered over thousands of years to celebrate this moment and what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. But have you ever wondered how Jesus would spend this day? What would he do with his time? Who would he hang out with? What would he do on the day he rose again? Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus has just risen from the dead one of the most monumental moments in all of history. And where do we find Jesus next? We find him joining two men on a journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. This was about a seven mile walk. And we see these two men really walking from Jerusalem and leaving their faith behind. Now, as these two men journey with Jesus to Emmaus, we don't really know, but we understand that the text says they didn't recognize him. Now we can speculate all we want that maybe Jesus is performing a miracle. Maybe he had a hood on where they couldn't see his face. Or maybe these two men personally never saw Jesus face to face. But as they journey to Emmaus, Jesus walks with them. Now for a second, think about this. Of all the places Jesus could have showed up after his resurrection, of all the people that he could encounter and talk with, we know the scriptures tell us that he appeared to Mary first. But as far as we know, these would be the next people that Jesus interacted with after his resurrection. Now, if I was Jesus, man, who would I show up to after the most important day in history? You see, if I was Jesus, I would have showed up to the high priest, maybe the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and I would have said, you guys were wrong. I'm alive and I want you to know it. 
But Jesus chooses to spend time with these two nobodies, these two guys that we don't really know a lot about. And as he makes this journey, traveling with these men to Emmaus, he asks them this question. He asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? So as Jesus is walking with these two men, he asks them a really pointed question. Now we know in the gospels, as we look at Jesus's life, he never asks a question that isn't intentional. And this pointed question, Jesus is trying to get after something. And so they respond to Jesus. It says, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, one of the men is actually given a name, Cleopas. Now we have really not a lot of information on him. In fact, if you were to Google his name, you really wouldn't get that much information because we don't know much about these two guides. One is not even given a name. And what's crazy is God comes after these two seemingly no-named people who we know nothing about. History doesn't tell us a lot. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot. These are nobodies when it comes to the stories of the Bible. And yet Jesus chooses on Resurrection Sunday to spend seven miles of a journey with them. And you know what? Maybe you can relate to the, these two guys because you feel the same way about your life. You feel like a, a nobody. You feel like society and people have overlooked you, devalued you. In fact, you even feel like God doesn't even know your name. And what this story does for all of us who feel that way is it gives us hope that God loves us enough and will pursue us enough even when we're walking away from Him. It gives us hope that even if society and culture devalues us, God will never. The text also says that they were downcast. They were saddened. Why is that? Well, it's because Jesus is dead and so is their faith. They had heard the rumors that Jesus was alive. They had heard what people had told them that Jesus's body wasn't in the tomb. But the truth is they don't believe them. They believe Jesus is still dead and so is their faith. So Jesus says, what things? He asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. Now you hear this text and you almost get excited because these guys are telling the story of Easter. They're preaching the gospel to Jesus himself. They're telling the story that Jesus actually lived. And you read this text and it seems like they're believers, that they've got it all in their head. They, they know it, it's correct. But you have to look at what they say next. It says, some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But here it is. But they did not see Jesus. Right there you see why their faces 
is downcast, why they are so sad. Because they heard the rumors that Jesus was alive. The problem was there was no body. They're not buying the story. No one has actually seen Jesus. Therefore, he's gotta be dead. Jesus responds to their claims. It says, he said to them, how foolish are you? How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus looks at these guys and he says, how foolish can you be? The evidence that you need is right in front of you. You have all the right information and yet you still don't believe? How foolish can you be? And Jesus actually spends a good chunk of this seven mile journey explaining all the scriptures to them. And yet I wonder if that's you this morning. You have all the evidence you need, but yet you fail to believe. You know, I would bet that on this Easter Sunday, there's some of you who come to church on the most traditional times. You show up to church on Christmas Eve and Easter, and you could probably stand on our stage and you could recite the gospel. You could give me every single detail about Jesus's life, what he did, what he accomplished, what it means for us, even that he's still alive. And you have all the evidence, you know the story, but you're just like these two men on the journey to Emmaus. You just fail to believe it. In your mind, Jesus is still in that tomb, dead. Verse 28 says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, Jesus, I, I love this part of the story. He almost plays a little bit hard to get. They come to the village of Emmaus and Jesus continues walking on like, uh, like he doesn't want to stay with them. But then they urge him, hey, please stay with us. And notice what the text says. It says it's evening time. Now for a second, let that sink in. On Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose again from the dead, the most important day in history. And Jesus spends a huge part of his day with these two guys. Guys who don't even actually believe in the work that he accomplished. Guys who had given up on Jesus, but yet Jesus pursues them. He chases them down. He walks with them. Verse 30 says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. These two gentlemen, have been with Jesus for seven miles. They've walked with him. They've conversed with him. They probably told jokes. They've heard him explain the scriptures. They've told Jesus about his story. And yet all along this road, they still don't know it's him. They still don't know that Jesus is actually with them. But this story is about to turn because Jesus sits down with them at the table and he passes out bread. He breaks it and he gives it to them. And this is actually a quote from two chapters earlier in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, where Jesus is with his disciples and he breaks bread and he tells them, this is my body, 
which will be broken on your behalf. And in this moment with these two guys in Jesus, as Jesus passes out the bread, it begins to click in their heart. They realize that the one they had doubted all along this journey was right there with them, that Jesus was actually alive. Can you imagine how they must have felt? At first, I, I'm sure they were ashamed. Ashamed to be with Jesus and yet doubt him. But yet then I think they probably felt amazement. They probably rejoiced that Jesus was actually alive, that their hope wasn't diminished, but actually Jesus had accomplished what he said he would. And isn't that how the gospel hits us? Yet we feel ashamed of all of our sin, our mistakes, our past. But yet Jesus conquers our shame and then we can rejoice in what his work and what he accomplished for us and the hope that he gives us in our life to give us a future. I bet that they were thankful that Jesus was willing to spend one of the most important days in history with them, even though they had given up on Jesus. And as we look at this story, and as we really focus in on Jesus, what we see about our Savior is that he will pursue us, that he's willing to chase us down, that he's willing to go after us. The Bible actually says that while we were still sinners, while we were still going down the wrong path, while we were still choosing things that were in rebellion to Jesus, Jesus came after us. He chased us down in the midst of our sin and he gave up his life in pursuit for us. Man, today, through this story and through the gospel, we see this unfiltered pursuit of our Savior. And maybe what happens to these two men journeying to the village of Emmaus can happen to you today. Well, it's Easter, and, and I get it, it's, it's different, right? It's a little bit awkward, we're under different circumstances, we're not gathered, we're actually scattered. But just because our circumstances and this Easter is a little bit different, it doesn't mean the significance and the meaning still remains. You see, today is a day where Jesus conquered the grave. He defeated our enemy, he overcame the, the death, and he handed us the keys to the victory, the keys to the victory over sin. And we celebrate today. And as we look at a story where we don't necessarily zoom in on the resurrection, but the events that actually happened right after it, a story where Jesus pursues two guys. And, and I really want to just talk to really two groups of people today. 
two groups of people that I believe, if you're listening, will encompass everybody. And the first group of people I want to talk to are those of you who would call yourself Christians. You're believers. You have placed your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus. He has forgiven you of your sins and he is now the leader of your life. You've surrendered your life to him and you are submitting to him. And this Easter, I would ask you this simple but yet challenging question. Are you still amazed by Easter? Are you still amazed at what Jesus accomplished and its meaning and its significance for your life? Are you still in awe by what Jesus has done, what he accomplished through the grave and through that tomb? You see, what I'm afraid of is that Easter is becoming just like Christmas. It's becoming just another holiday where the traditions trump the meaning. Another holiday on your calendar where you watch your kids go chase down those Easter eggs. It's another excuse or holiday where you gather your family around and you have that spread on your dining room table and yet we lose and become numb to the significance and the meaning of what the holiday actually is. You see, I think this is why Peter reminds us of the hope of the resurrection. Look what he says in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, man, you can, you can almost feel the excitement in his tone. He's praising God. He says, because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, here in Peter, you can, you can hear his tone, his excitement. He's saying, because of the resurrection, we have hope. We should live in awe every single Easter with the hope that the resurrection has given us. And I wonder for many of us as believers, is, is if we just grown numb to how amazing this moment in history is in awe of what Jesus gives us and offers us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Five verses later, this is what Peter says. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And I wonder as believers, as Christians, as followers of God, if that's how we feel every Easter that we just feel this overwhelming sense of, of joy that we cannot explain because of what Jesus has done for us? Or has that joy diminished? And have we just grown numb to the fact that it's just another holiday that we go through the traditions over and over again? Let me ask you this. Does the fact that Jesus is still alive still change your every day? Does the fact that Jesus is alive still changing your future? See, I think as believers, we have to recapture the awe and the wonder and the amazement of what Easter truly is. But yet there's a, a second group of people that I wanna speak to. For those of you who maybe in, in this story can relate to these two gentlemen, these two gentlemen who are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus and what they're doing is they're leaving their faith in Jerusalem and headed in a different direction. And maybe you can relate to them because that's you. Because when it comes to Jesus, you have your doubts, you have your concerns, you have your questions. 
Like all of your doubts and, and your concerns, you're not sure about Jesus and what it has done is it's actually led you and has postured your life in a direction where you're actually walking away from God. And, and you get these two guys because that's the way you're living right now. You've kind of thrown in the towel on this whole religious Christianity. You've kind of thrown in the towel that God actually loves you, cares about you. You've thrown in the towel that he's actually alive. Maybe you believe just like these guys, he's still in that tomb. And here's what I want you to understand if that's you, that you may have given up on God, but God hasn't given up on you. The truth is, is man, that's what this story is all about. Is even though these guys were walking away from Jesus, even they had given up on Jesus, God continued to walk with them on the journey. They couldn't see it, but he was right there with them. And you may have given up on God. Maybe it's because you, you don't feel like he came through for you. Maybe it was because some of some circumstance in your life that rocked your world and, and it just caused you to bail on God, to forget God. But can I tell you today, God hasn't forgotten you. That all through your life, as you tried to get away from him, he's followed you. He stayed with you and his love is still there. It's amazing thing about God. And as we, we look at this story, we see something really unique about our savior, his pursuit for us, that he will chase us down, that his love is never ending. It's always there, no matter how we act or respond to it, it never goes away. In fact, this story I, I believe is actually kind of tied to another chapter in the gospels in Luke chapter 15. And here's what I'd encourage you to do this week is, I would encourage you all throughout this next week to read Luke chapter 15, whether you're new to faith or you've been following Jesus a long time. Maybe for some of you, the 31 who said yes to Jesus, who I sent Bibles to, man, plant yourself in Luke chapter 15 this week and, and just read those words. And what we see in Luke chapter 15 is, is kind of the, a parallel message that's happening in this story right after Easter, after Jesus rose from the dead. And in, in this chapter of the Bible, Jesus tells three stories. And they're all uniquely different stories, but they all kind of actually climax at the same spot. You see, in these three stories, Jesus tells of people who have lost something. The first one is a shepherd. He's got a hundred sheep and he loses one. The second one is, is, is a woman who has coins and she loses one coin. And then the third is a father losing his son as he leaves him and takes his inheritance. And what we see in these three stories is how the person who lost something responds. You see, the shepherd, 100 sheep, lost one. Look what he does. It says this in Luke chapter 15, verse four. It says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? You see, the Bible gives us this imagery that the, the, the shepherd actually leaves all 99 healthy and, and safe sheep. He leaves them in a vulnerable position to go find the one that is lost. The woman who lost her coin, look what it says for her, how she responds. Verse eight, it says, doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it. You see, I think we get this one, right? Maybe it's not the lost coin, but it's like the lost remote. Have you ever lost your television remote? And you get this, right? Like you, you turn all the lights off, and you turn all the lights on in your house and you throw all the cushions around and you're in search for that lost remote. 
And then in Luke chapter 15, the dad whose son had left, but yet he's on his way home. And look what it says in verse 20. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And what we see in these three stories that Jesus tells is really the same thing that we see on Easter after Jesus was alive. We see this pursuit that God is willing to do whatever it takes to chase us down, that even while we run from God, even while we rebel from God, there is no mountain he won't climb up. There is no shadow that he won't light up coming after you. And it, the same on Easter, the story climaxes the same way. Look what happens to these two gentlemen who had given up on God who are walking away from God. Look what happens. It says this in Luke 24, verse 30. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. It says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. That's my prayer for you today who have given up on God, bailed on God. Is that this Easter, God would open your eyes and maybe for the first time, you would recognize him for who he truly is. Because recognition is really important. You see, I, I have this dog at my house. Her name is Bella. And she's a really small dog. She's a King Charles Cavalier and Poodle mix. And Bella is about 13 years old. And, and to put it frankly, she's kind of on the end of her life journey. I mean, she can barely smell. I think she's half blind and, and, and you know, I don't really like dogs, okay? I used to love them, but my wife, we keep the dog around because my wife loves the dogs. Our, our kids love the dog. But here's the weird thing about Bella is of all the people, she loves me the most. Like every time I sit on the couch, whose lap does she sit on? Mine. Like, I don't know why she does it, but she does. And so every once in a while, I'll come home. And it's like a rainy day and I'll put my hood up over my head and I'll come into our house and Bella's usually the first person to greet me. And when I have my hood up, there's often times where Bella will actually treat me like a stranger. She'll bark at me and she'll growl at me. And I'm like, Bella, what are you doing? Like, I, I, sometimes I think she's just trying to get back at me for all the times I've ignored her. But she barks at me and she's like, she treats me like a stranger. Like she doesn't know me. She doesn't recognize me. But the moment that I actually just take the hood down, and Bella sees me for who I really am, everything changes. And do you realize that, man, today that is the same for God? Just like in this story where these two guys, they had walked with Jesus for seven miles. They talked with him, they conversed with him, but they didn't recognize him. But the moment they saw Jesus for who he truly was, everything changed. And my question for you is, is it time for you to recognize Jesus for who he really is? In the midst of all your doubts, in the midst of all your questions, maybe today is the day where your eyes are opened to who Jesus is, that he is your savior, that he is your rescuer, that he died on a cross and he defeated death for you and for me to conquer our sin. And maybe today our eyes are opened to that. 
And so for all of us, I wanna give us a chance to just respond to the truth of God's word. And so if you would just take a moment and you would close your eyes and you would bow your head. And I wanna speak to two groups of people. The first one, you're here today and you're a believer, but maybe you've grown numb to Easter. You focus so much on the traditions that you've lost the joy and the amazement that should be in your heart today because of what Jesus accomplished for you. And if you find yourself in that boat, I would just ask you while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, to just ask for God for forgiveness. Say, God, I'm sorry that I've neglected how amazing today is. God, would you help me recapture the joy that I should feel? Would you help me recapture and focus on the meaning of what Easter truly means for my life? But maybe you're here today and you never place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've lived in the doubts and maybe actually right now you're running from God, you're rebelling against God, but you're realizing for the first time that as far as you run, as hard as you try to get away from God's love, you just can't. It will always be there for you. So instead of running from it, instead of doubting it, maybe today you surrender to it. And if you're ready to do that, I would just simply ask you to say this prayer in your heart. God, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I've lived in rebellion running from you. And I realize that that's just impossible to do. I realize that I can't get away from your grace and your mercy and your love for me. And so today I'm choosing to believe in it. I'm choosing to believe that your love on that cross for me and through your resurrection, you gave me the victory over my own sin. And so God, today, would you become my forgiver and would you become my leader? I surrender to you. Will you change me from the inside out? Man, if you said that prayer, I would just ask you to do one simple thing. We've done this the last three weeks and we have celebrated that 31 people have said that prayer. And if that's you today, would you let somebody know? Man, text your best friend. If you're in a chat right now, just tell everybody in the, the chat room. If you're watching on TV, you can text us. You can let us know. You can send us an email. And let me make it really simple for you. For if those of you who may, aren't sure where to send your message, man, let me or our church know. You'll see a slide right on the screen right now with my email and my social media. You'll see our church's contact email and their social media. Let us know because we wanna rejoice with you. We wanna help lead you into walking with Jesus every single day. Man, we rejoice that you made that decision and let us all recapture the beauty the wonder and the awe of what today means. Jesus is alive. Would you pray with me? God today changes everything. Thousands of years ago, you sacrificed your one and only body. God, you gave up your one and only son. And he was dead, lifeless. But God, three days later, he handed us the keys to our victory. And God, we celebrate that. We rejoice in that, that you are alive. And because you are alive, we can experience life. So may we choose to walk in that life this Easter. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, we wanna thank you for joining us this Easter. 
And if you're new to us, or maybe you've just connected with Northridge Church, we would love to connect with you. Maybe you have needs that we can meet, or maybe you just need somebody to pray for you. And the easiest way we can do that is if you would just grab your phone, for us to connect with you, just grab your phone and text or call this number, 585-210-8564. And here's my promise for you. There is actually a person waiting to answer your text messages. They will respond to you because they want to get to know you. They wanna know your needs and they wanna be able to pray for you. If you got questions about who we are as a church, you can simply go to our webpage, northridgerochester.com. We would love for you to kind of get to know who we are and what we believe. And I think you'll recognize that we are a church for our community and we wanna bring hope in the darkest places of life. And the only way that's possible is through the generosity of the people who call Northridge Church home. And if you wanna partner with us, man, if you're a guest, this is really not for you, but this is for the people who call Northridge Church home. If you wanna be generous and partner with us by bringing hope uh, to the dark places in life, you wanna partner with us in bringing the gospel to people, you can just simply grab your phone right now, text Northridge to 77977. It's as simple as that, a simple text message, and you can partner with us. Man, we hope you have a fantastic Easter. I know it's different, but make sure you tell your family, make sure you FaceTime your grandchildren and just tell them you love them. It's weird times, it's chaotic and it's crazy, but we can still celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. As we wind down our service, you'll see some questions on the screen that you and your family can talk about. Have a great day. Happy Easter.